Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Mike Charwitz, the owner of Accurate Automotive in Illinois. Mike, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. The reason I reached out to you, we have been doing some of our member profiles on the podcast, and your story kind of caught my eye. But before we get into that, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. When did you get into the business? Well, I've been uh, in business for myself since 1977. Rather young when I uh, first started, you know, 22 years old. So I've been doing this for 44 years. Been here in Des Plaines all of that time, right here on Oakton Street. So it, it's been quite a good run. When I first got started, we were putting uh, rings in Vegas and camshafts and 305s, if you remember that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, we kind of made the transition obviously from that into uh, what we're working on today, which is, except that they have four wheels, that's about the only thing that's in common, quite honestly. It's obviously, it's totally different than when I first started. But I've been, we've been very fortunate to stay uh, up with the industry and uh, we're, we're doing great. You just have the one location, right? Yeah, just here in Des Plaines on Oakton. Yep. The reason I wanted to talk to you is uh, we've been talking to our affiliates to recommend a few folks that have some interesting stories and yours was very interesting. I understand you're running for mayor of Des Plaines, right? Yes, I am. What prompted that? Well, a little bit of craziness, I think. It's, it's hard to say. It, it's a very obvious answer that there's a portion of me that thinks I'm, I'm nuts, you know, for doing it. The other half of me says, well, uh, it's a way of giving back is really the reason I'm doing it. I'm not really a political guy. I don't have this big agenda or want to see, you know, uh, a bunch of stuff change. Des Plaines has been, it's a great community. Uh, we're close to the airport. We're by, uh, by Chicago, obviously, and we have all of the amenities like that. And uh, I just want to make sure that we keep it going. Sometimes a business agenda is not the same as a city agenda. So that's part of the reason I want to get involved. Interesting. Well, I would think running a business would be a full-time job. It is for most. When do you find the time, I guess? And how did you get into politics? Well, I did get into politics about 10 years ago. I ran for alderman. We have eight aldermen and one mayor in Des Plaines, and uh, we have term limits. So I was elected for two four-year terms and then termed out instead of going back and, you know, trying to be alderman again. That was the idea was to uh, use some of my political experience along with the business experience and uh, let's give a shot at mayor. We do have a city manager, so it's a different form of government. In other words, I won't be in charge of hiring and firing people or, you know, police officers or firefighters, you know, even... Uh, you know, any kind of personnel, that's all done by the city manager. So really it's more, my job will be herding cats, you know, getting all the other aldermen on the same page, uh, trying to get a progressive um, a way of changing for displays. That's interesting. When is the election? It'll be April 6th of 21. No, oh, so it's coming right up. And uh, pretty soon we should be campaigning. Quite honestly, I've been holding off just a little bit uh, simply because of current events. I'm kind of afraid to knock on somebody's door and say, hi, I'm a politician. I'm not quite sure what the reaction is going to be this week. I'm hope, I mean, I only have till April, so it's only a couple of weeks left, but uh, I'm going to kind of test the waters to see, uh, you know, just, you know, what attitude is out there. 
Yeah, well, these are these are definitely strange times. And yeah, I would imagine it takes a lot of guts to say, hi, I'm a politician and I'm here to help these days, right? Yeah, I made this decision many, many years ago. And like I said, it's just, it is quite challenging. The job's going to be challenging. This is going to be challenging. I think in a way that's what's kind of enjoying about it. It is a huge challenge. But again, I will say to you know everybody who's listening, you know, I've been doing the customer service. We're, you know, we're uh, people oriented, you know, shop. You have to be in order to stay in business. You know, everybody is. So really what I learned here at the shop every day of how to, you know, when somebody comes attacking you because the last guy ripped you off or something, you go, whoa, 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 that's not me. Don't treat me that way. A lot of that same psychology, whatever word you want to use, training that I learned here at the shop, I use uh, with, the, with the residents. It's exactly the same. They have a problem. We're trying to solve their problem. It's a little more regulated. City government is, you know, politics for sure. You can't just do whatever you want like you kind of can at the shop. And probably the one biggest difference that I learned, you know, as being alderman, and when you go to all the different AMI classes and stuff that I've, I've attended to, every once in a while, it's okay to fire a customer, you know, when it's just not working out. Well, that's the one thing you can't do in politics. You can't fire your residents. You are stuck with them. So that was probably the biggest one difference. But everything else, it's really the same. They're just looking for a fair shake. They're just looking to be heard. Some problems you can't solve. One guy, I would have board meetings, which was a great way of getting community input, you know, just community meetings. He stood up, but everybody says, we got to outlaw dandelions in displays because his yard was a perfect yard, no dandelions of any kind. The neighbor, of course, across the street, of course, was the one that had, you know, dandelions that they never even touched. So he was like upset that why are those dandelions coming on his property? And oh my God, what a mess that was. I mean, some problems you just can't fix, you know. So uh, that was uh, that was one of them that I, I didn't even try to address that subject. It's like, you know, sorry, we just we can't enforce something like that. There's no way we're gonna uh, we're gonna try to get the rest of the aldermen to go along with outlawing dandelions. <laughs> that's like a customer pulling up in a car pointing to the front grill and saying i don't like the expression yeah you know i have to say you are probably the first individual that has ever equated the skill set required for running the shop with politics mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about your business accurate has been around for a while as you had mentioned right how many employees do you have we got five techs two office help and then uh, i'm always involved in the local community college hmm Brighton College here has a program through AC Delco where they uh, work here for two years, go to school, and then during the summer they work. So I've always um, tried to build, you know, grow my own uh, technicians. And just like normal, I, some of them have stayed for a few years. Most of them, you build them, you, know, you grow them, and then they move on, which is fine. You know, it works good. But I've always been involved in that. Right now we have two younger guys that come in, you know, we alternate their times. And it seems like they enjoy their time off. You know, when I was a kid, we worked, 12, you know, I call it half a day. I only worked from seven in the morning till seven at night. Yeah. Half a day. And these kids nowadays, they need their time off. So we got two kids really to do the one job. It's been working out great. Well, that's great. And what's the college you're involved with? Triton College right here in uh, River Grove. It's a local community college. They're one of the best programs around. It's very inexpensive. It's, since the kid is working here, no matter where they live, they get uh, in-district rates, I think it's called. Uh, so it's it's really cheap. I think it's under five grand for tuition and everything or around there uh, for the full two-year program. And yet it's a fantastic program. The 
we have a great reputation at the college because they also have dealers involved. And the disadvantage to the kids working at the dealers is they really become more glorified orders. So working here at Independence, the kids get exposed to a lot more stuff. I mean, you know, not only changing oil and doing brakes, uh, we've got them tearing apart the valve covers, doing intakes, all kinds of stuff. Uh, one of my claims to fame here is by loaner cars. I've got 25 loaner cars on the street. So anybody who comes in, I get a driver's license, insurance card. They take my car away. That has been a phenomenal. Uh, I've been doing that for decades and it really works out well. Costs a little bit for the insurance, of course, but uh, getting the uh, insurance card from the customer takes a lot of the liability off. Most of the little fender bender things have been handled by the customer's insurance, not even my insurance. So that helps a lot. And uh, having the loaner cars then gives it's a perfect avenue for the college kids to work on. You know, when even brakes or a knock sensor goes out or something, I can have them work on that because then I don't have to worry about the customer pressure getting it done on time. So it's worked out well. It's more of an internship program than an apprenticeship program then, right? Yeah, it really is. And they work you know, during the school year, they uh, half a day here and then all day Friday. So that's always nice. You know, they help out with all the, uh, all the work on Fridays. And then they work all summer long when there's no school, which is when we're used to be busy. I don't know what this summer was going to be. I don't know what the new, the new norm is of any kind. But, uh, you know, usually summer, June, July, and August, we were always really, really busy. So uh, they, uh, they helped out quite a bit with that. Teach them AC charges. All, all that stuff. And they're grateful. They're grateful to have the experience. Well, you know, it sounds like you've addressed one of the biggest problems I know that shop owners face, which is finding talent. Sounds like you don't have a problem with that. You have a direct pipeline to the school. The school is just one tool in your toolbox, if you will. Mm -hmm. I do have uh, two other guys, actually, that are older guys. They're in their late 60s. One's even, I think, almost 70 now. They have all the expertise, they have the ability, they have the knowledge, of course, the physical challenge, working them again, you know, five days a week, 40 hours, 45 hours a week is a challenge. So we do the same thing with them, kind of rotate the two of them around so they get some time to rest up and still can come in. And that's been working out really nice, which is, again, probably different than I was doing, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Years ago, we just had plain full-time mechanics and that was what it was. You got to adapt a little bit now with, uh, with the changing industry because it certainly is harder to find good qualified technicians. Well, and you're blessed by having two experienced uh, individuals that can act as mentors for the younger technicians. It, it does work out well, that way, right? As mentors, you're right. How has the COVID situation impacted your business, uh, especially with with using um, you know interns and such? How have you uh, how have you coped with that? I don't know how if it's the same across all the industries. And I don't want to sound like a Wild West cowboy. I don't know how that all got switched. But so far, my whole COVID compensation has been to buy a two by four piece of plastic and stick it on the desk mm. and say, there's my uh, COVID shield. Yeah, my shield. That's it. And then I bought a, hand, a can of hand sanitizer, you know, that poured on. And that's it. I mean, we really haven't taken much. We are wiping the cars down. You know, we're doing a little more personal care for ourselves. Uh, I've been one of those that has been very fortunate. The people, I think the people that I see coming in the door are the people that are comfortable, obviously, with getting out and going and doing something because that's why they're bringing the car in. Mm -hmm. I kind of see a, a big division. You have a lot of uh, customers that are just really afraid. They, they don't want to come out. They're staying home. They don't even drive. 
and we don't see a lot of them except for when their car doesn't start or they got a flat tire, the battery's dead, you know, we're going over to them, fixing up the car and then bringing it back. They're not even coming in anymore, you know, just doing everything you know, over the internet, you know, with, uh, and phone calls for payment. So that's um, all we can do. It sounds like you've adapted to those individuals that need that level of service as most of us have. Has it impacted your business at all? Have you seen a drop? We did have a, a significant drop when this first all started. So that would be the second quarter of 2020. But I have to say our summer was not as busy, but pretty close to uh, to a normal summer once everybody, everything broke. Now that it got quiet again, um, I have to say, I think maybe we're even making up a little bit. This is the, what, the first quarter of 21. Just January in Chicago, we've been in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Typically, we would be dead with that kind of weather, you know, but we're not. We're still doing, uh, we're towing in cars. I think part of the problem, the way I describe it is, uh, I would ask a customer, um, are you using the car every day? And they go, oh, yeah, 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 I'm using it every day. Well, all they're doing is maybe going to Jewel or the library or, you know, I mean, they're putting three to five miles on the car. Nobody's putting 40, 50 miles on a car anymore. Mm-hmm. So the brakes are locking up. The batteries are going dead. They're just, they're not getting driven enough. So I think that's actually given us more work, more, but different kind of work than uh, that we normally would have, again, on a 40 degree day in Chicago in January. Mm. That's what I've been hearing from a lot of shops across the country. Last year was horrible, but a lot of it came back and as an industry, we seem to be adapting pretty well to whatever the new normal is going to be when this is done. Now that we're doing vaccinations and that sort of thing, hopefully we'll see a, an easing in some of the pressure. Mm-hmm. But you haven't lost any employees over this, have you? Have you been able to keep everybody working? Well, knock on wood, we did. Yeah. Yeah. We were able to get the first round of PPP money that did help us get through that second quarter. Mm-hmm. And um, you yeah, know, so that did help quite a bit. Yeah. One more question, actually, on the uh, on the customer side of the equation. What's your customer base? Are, are you in a fairly middle-class area? We, uh, Desplaines tends to, to, to stereotype it to be kind of a blue-collar worker, whatever the, you know that means nowadays. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, we're in the uh, suburbs of Chicago, so we are, uh, I guess, what you would call middle-class. Uh, we're working on the newer cars now, or the 13, 14s that are coming out. So you know, we're, our cars are usually four to five years old when we start seeing them. We may get a couple of oil changes on the newer ones from regular customers. And then all the way down to, we're still working on, last week we had two 94s, I think a Buick and, a, and an Olds that were still out here. OBD1 systems with the check engine light that we were working on. We still have the technology. So it's a, it's a wide range. Obviously, there's not as many 94s as there are 2010s. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we still work on a wide range. The other thing, I'm in, uh, also in the Corvair Club. So we've been working on a lot of Corvairs still that were made from 60 to 69. Wow. I know. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I don't mind, you know, I still have the, you know, that's what I, that was my first car. I, um, I, the Corvair was different back then. So nobody else wanted to work on them. So I, uh, you know, I've been working on those ever since. And, uh, and, and obviously I, you know, them pretty well after, uh, you know, they, they, they have their own little idiosyncrasies too. So that's been really good. And it's a challenge too, or it's actually not so much a challenge. It's fun. When you got a car, I think the last one had uh, plates on it from 1996. Wow. So the thing had been sitting for 20 some years. And you, know, you just go through the fuel system, the brake system, get it up and running, get it back to the guy. He's happy as heck driving it around. So that's been fun too. You know, it's neat when you can work on some of the older iron. And you know, the average age of the vehicle now is north of 12 years. So we're seeing older and older vehicles. But I know a couple of our members revel in the fact that they're working on some really classic antiques 
now and really clean, you know, examples. Corvair is an interesting choice. I, I remember back in high school, a friend of mine had a Corvair van, if you remember those. Oh, yeah. And we had to stop about every half a mile or so to open the windows and get out because the inside would fill with oil smoke. But, you know, dealing with such a wide range of vehicles, uh, how do you handle training with your uh, technicians? Any involvement with the community college along those lines or do you just do with the industry? ASA has been pretty good about that. Some of the parts stories, we deal with bumper to bumper. They have their tech training, uh, you know, once a year. Used to be in Milwaukee and then was in Michigan, a little bit of Chicago. So uh, I was uh, president of ASA. I mean, that was quite a few years ago. But we always had a training day, you know, every year for ASA, you know, regular convention. Mm-hmm. So we would have the mechanical training and the service ready training at the same time. ASA has been fantastic for that. And they continue on, you know, just uh, uh, in Chicago, we never had anything, you know, quite as big as vision. But it's still good for the industry to get training like that. Mm-hmm. No so Chicago has always tried to do some of that. too. Well, I know our ASA Illinois affiliate has always been pretty active in the training. Have you been taking advantage of any of the virtual training that's out there? I really haven't made that jump yet. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know why. I still like, you know, the in-person, state-of-the-art kind of stuff. But I'm kind of hoping that uh, we're going to get back to that relatively soon. So I'd be honest with you, I haven't delved into the, uh, the virtual. I know it's out there. You see a lot of it advertised. Uh-huh. I just haven't taken advantage of it, no. You had mentioned you rely a lot on ASA. How has the association worked for you in your business? What value do you see in it? It really has been priceless over the years. I got involved back in the 90s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where we got our training. You know, first it was technical training. Then it was, to make it short, you know, then it was working, you know, on your business, not in your business. Because mm-hmm. I came out of uh, the technical side. You know, I used to value how many, uh, you know, tune-ups I could do or, you know, how many brake jobs I could physically do in a, in a, in a day, uh, get the cars in and out, that kind of stuff. Now I kind of looked at, okay, how many can I get my guys to do, you know, and how efficient can I make them and what kind of systems can I set up? So it was a whole different value system changing for my own sense of, you know, how I was doing well and managed by the numbers and, you know, all this stuff that we picked up along the way. And ASA, it was just priceless for all of that. So that's where I got my business education was through uh, ASA. And then probably just as important, even more important would have been uh, all the, the, the camaraderie that we got. I mean, the buddies that I met, you know, back years ago, unfortunately, some of them have now sold their business, they died off, but uh, a lot of them are still around and uh, we still get together. I got uh, one group of guys we meet, in fact, we meet tomorrow night, uh, the last Tuesday of the month. We call us uh, the has-beens because we all has been president of ASA at one time or another. So <laughs> we get together and they're still good friends, you know, and we're not only talking shop. Of course, we're talking, you know, some of them are talking grandkids and all that other kind of stuff. So it extends even more than just the business uh, expertise that we were able to sh- share. I didn't come up with the idea of owners. Somebody else did. And I just stole the idea. You know, it's worked great for me. All the different ideas and stuff we use every day in the shop came from other shop owners. And ASA was the uh, definitely the conduit that allowed for all that to happen. No doubt. No doubt at all. Well, that has been the value of the association. I know I made many, many, many lifelong friends through my affiliation with ASA. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Again, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep you all day. Any final words before I let you go? Appreciate you guys uh, continuing on with the, the podcasts and everything else that you're doing to educate us all and keep it going. Thank you very much, Tony. This was great. I, I feel honored to have the opportunity. Well, I'm glad you can make the time. And it was a pleasure talking with you. Good luck on the election. We'll be pulling for you for mayor of Des Plaines. 
and it'll be fun. Like I said, well, I've been teasing. Okay, getting elected is probably going to be easy. Then you're right. Now I got to be mayor. That's going to be the hard part. But I'll get it figured out. Yeah, they say be careful what you wish for. I suppose that's true. Mike, it's been a pleasure. We've been talking with Mike Charwitz, the owner of Accurate Automotive in Des Plaines, Illinois. Mike, again, thanks for the time today. It's been great. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.